The Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. To discover more amazing Alberta-made podcasts, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. I'm Dave Cornoyer, and you're listening to the Dave Berta Podcast. We are recording this episode remotely on May 17th, 2020, and I'm thrilled to be joined by our producer today, Adam Rosenhardt. Actually, our producer always, Adam Rosenhardt. <laughs> how are you doing, Adam? <laughs> I'm good, Dave. How are you? I'm doing, doing pretty good. Pretty good. You're holding in there in the uh, the self-quarantine, uh, social distancing uh, world that we continue to live in? Yeah. I mean, uh, my wife and I have been doing this since the beginning of March, as with most Albertans, and uh, I am getting a little sick of it, but I will not stop. Yeah. Yeah, no, same here. We'll uh, uh, wait it out and uh, and and see how things go and take our advice from the uh, from the public health professionals. But I definitely have noticed. Uh, I live across the street from a uh, a large school uh, field, and I definitely have noticed a lot more people out. Uh, I mean, probably as a result of the nice weather because it is spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, there was these this group of guys playing this kind of I don't know if it was like group group hacky sack ping pong or something where it was just it was a group of uh i don't know five or six guys who you know weren't doing very good in terms of the social distancing but there was it was like this game where they were throwing a ball into a like a hula hoop thing on the ground and it would bounce back to each other so it kind of looked like group ping pong which actually looked kind of fun but you know Mm. and it also looked like it'd be a pretty good way for you know something to spread Sounds like a sounds like a group of NDP voters, if hacky sack has any indication. <laughs> group <laughs> collectivist happy sack. Hacky sack. We'll, have to, we'll have to look that up. I was uh, I was driving uh, down uh, Victoria Park Road in near downtown Edmonton the other yeah. day, and they've they've got they've extended the sidewalk onto the road so that people can social distance. But you know, I, I was still seeing really inconsistent behavior there, and like you know, people running, people on bicycles, which. Like I know we're supposed to wear masks. I'm a, I'm a runner myself, and running with the mask is very hard to do. Yeah, like you you can't breathe. But it's like they weren't even trying to distance themselves from each other. So I think we might be screwed. <laughs> well, I hope think, ho- hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah. Well, I, I won't be. I guess I shouldn't be quite so dire. But I, it does concern me. Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly. Uh, I mean, it is a concern because it's not like the uh, the virus has gone away. It's uh, it's still there, and it's important that we all uh, watch out for ourselves and watch out for each other because we mm-hmm. are, you know, we are all in this together, and and it's quite easy for something like this to spread. So, yeah, uh, you know, keep, keep your social distance, wash your hands, don't don't cough on people, and and yeah, stay in if or stay in or avoid people if you're if you're not feeling great. Yeah, I'm a uh, very very lucky to have a backyard. I think. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So, so today we're we're doing something uh, a little different. Uh, we have a whole bunch of questions that listeners have sent in. So we're going to do a special question and answer episode today. Yeah, it's the podcast equivalent of a clip show. Yeah. Oh, man. Remember, remember when, yeah, like, uh, yeah, no, that's great. Clip, a clip show. That's good. good <laughs> I was thinking back to like the 1990s uh, sitcoms where they'd have like the uh, the flashback scenes. We could do like a flashback episode sometime if we want. Bring yeah. Ryan bring bring Ryan back on for uh, for a flashback episode. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I think people would be really happy or really upset about that. <laughs> probably a mix, probably a mix of both. <laughs> probably, yeah. Well, do you want to get into questions then, Dave? Yeah, let's jump in. 
Okay, well, we've got we've got a, quite a few, and we're going to try and get through all of them. But of course, it wouldn't be a Q and A on the Dave Berta podcast if it didn't start with a question from Mountain Ted. And Ted says that he's getting a lot of promotional messages for Aaron O'Toole as CPC leader, but he's getting it from UCP functionaries. So, Mountain Ted's question is: What are your thoughts about the UCP's role in the federal conservative leadership contest? Well, I think the the UCP plays a big role in the federal conservative leadership contest. Um, the Alberta is uh, one of the strongest, or the strongest area of support, um, either, either Alberta or Saskatchewan, in terms of provinces for the Federal Conservative Party. And the United Conservative Party, which forms government here in Alberta, uh, is essentially a, a provincial branch, uh, for all intents and purposes, of the Federal Conservative Party. The, the merger, the, the, the Unite the Right, uh, movement that happened in Alberta, political movement that happened in Alberta a number of years ago, was was just as much about uniting the federal conservative party with the provincial conservative party in this province as much as it was uniting the two conservative, two separate conservative parties provincially in this province. So the UCP does play a big role, and it plays a big role, especially because Premier Jason Kenney decided uh, a number of months ago to endorse Aaron O'Toole, one of the Ontario MPs running for the the, the only Ontario MP running for for the leadership of the Federal Conservative Party. And Kenny made quite an enthusiastic endorsement. So I think that, uh, I mean, Alberta will obviously will, or absolutely will play uh, play a role in, in this leadership race. And, and because there are so many members of parliament from Alberta uh, in, in this leadership, or in, in the Federal Conservative Party, uh, and so many members and, and such a, a huge, huge donor base and a huge base of support in this province, it absolutely will play a, uh, the UCP will play a role. Um, do you, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in that federal leadership race? Because you mentioned we've got Aaron O'Toole, Peter McKay, and a few others. Um, yeah. Where do they stand, I guess? Yeah. So Aaron O'Toole, Ontario MP, uh, been an MP for a number of years running. Uh, Peter McKay, former federal cabinet minister, longtime member of parliament. Actually, he hasn't, longtime member of parliament, though he, though he didn't run for re-election in 2015. He'd been in a uh, was first elected as a progressive conservative MP in the 1997 federal election. He's actually comes from a, a political family. His dad, Elmer McKay, was a member of parliament for the same riding uh, Central Nova in, in Nova Scotia for a number of years. And I believe he served as a, a cabinet minister in Brian Mulroney's government. So he comes from like a long, you know, second generation uh, political family, uh, establishment family in, in Nova Scotia. Two, two other candidates, minor candidates, are running. Um, Leslie Lewis, who's uh, uh, from Ontario, I believe, and she's definitely right. I think she's running on a social, more of a social conservative platform. And Derek Sloan, who's a first-term conservative member of parliament from a rural Ontario riding, who's also running on a very socially conservative uh, uh, platform. And I mean, those, those, those two seem to be the social conservative candidates, but Peter McKay has definitely been running on, on kind of a weird internet populist platform, which is very interesting coming from a uh, very much someone who comes very much comes from a conservative, the conservative establishment and someone who's been a career politician. Um, it feels very much like the Maxime Bernier, uh, like a, the tone of the Maxime Bernier campaign and the, and, uh, and the kind of the a lot of the, 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 the feel of, of what the, what Bernier was running on when he was a federal conservative leader, a federal conservative candidate and uh, running for the people's party, which is surprising for McKay who came from progressive conservatives and, who you would think might be a little more socially progressive, but it's definitely not what uh, what he's uh, what his campaign is talking about online. Yeah, well, you know, here's a question that's related to this conversation. I think, uh, somewhat anyway, from Lost and Curious, what's the likelihood of the Liberals calling an early election? The federal Liberals, of course. 
I, I, I mean, I don't think there'll be an election called this year. I, I can't see anybody having any Canadians having the appetite for a federal election this year. And honestly, I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not sure how candidates and campaigns would actually work in a situation where we're, you know, supposed to be socially distinct distancing. And this is an interesting question for, I mean, for all levels of government in, in terms of elections, but uh, specifically here in Alberta, looking at the municipal election, which is supposed to be held next October, October, 2021. Um, if we're still in this situation where we're being encouraged to socially distance and keep, you know, keep our distance and, 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 uh, and not not get into large, you know, not not uh, not join into large large groups. Um, how are candidates going to campaign? It's going to pose some very interesting uh, interesting questions uh, for for campaigns at, at all different levels. But yeah, I don't think there's going to be a federal election this year. Um, we have a minority government, a minority parliament. So calling an early election, I don't, you know, it might not last four years, but I don't think they're going to go for an election this year. It's it's it feels like it's been pretty stable so far. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not like Parliament has really been, I mean, they've, they've been meeting in, you know, over, over Zoom, they've been meeting in person, but like limited amounts in terms of the li limiting the number of people actually in Parliament. Um, I, yeah, I, I think things think generally seems to seem to be fairly stable in terms of the Liberals being able to, to have a, um, the confidence of, of a majority of the MPs in the in the House of Commons. I mean, I think the, the federal conservatives, it's really interesting. I mean, Andrew Scheer is still remains the leader of the federal conservative party. And it seems like every day he's kind of going off on a weird tangent, um, attacking the federal liberals for, for whatever the, whatever the issue is of the day. And, and it doesn't seem like it's really helping in terms of what he's talking about. It doesn't seem like it's really helping the federal conservatives. And, and I suspect, I mean, no one really could have predicted that we'd be in this situation after the last after following the last federal election when Andrew Scheer uh, announced that he was stepping down or that he wouldn't that he wanted to be replaced um, but I think there are probably a lot of conservatives who are regretting not in, appointing an interim leader and letting yeah. Scheer stay you know then what that party probably needs now is a caretaker leader to just uh, hold the party together until uh, until a new leader can be chosen because I don't think Andrew Scheer it doesn't seem like he's really doing them any favors no not at all and, you know, speaking of the pandemic, Robin Miller submitted a question asking, how long does the rally around the flag effect last? And what was the Alberta public's reaction in the years after the 1918 flu pandemic? Do you have any insight on that, Dave? You know, I, I looked into that. And that's that's actually quite interesting. Um, the, the That period of Canadian history from the end of the First World War up until the early 1920s was quite a destabilizing, quite an unstable time. And in Canadian society and Canadian politics, uh, I mean, after the after the First World War ended, we had the flu, the Spanish flu, Spanish influenza, which kind of rioted through the country, ravaged through the country, uh, and then shortly after that, we had, uh, you know, there were there were these labor issues that had been kind of bubbling up during the First World War and and following the First World War. These were uh, these were socio-economic tensions, these were class tensions, these were tensions between different ethnic groups and eth ethnic relations and class relations. And what we saw after the First World War, right after the First World War, was, was enormous, uh, enormous disruption, enormous labor disruption. We saw the Winnipeg General Strike, we saw uh, sympathy strikes in cities across the country, including Edmonton and Calgary. Um, so, you know, and, and we also saw, at least here in Alberta, we saw uh, uh, a major, major 
uh, major change in terms of our politics. Um, following the the or in the nineteen twenty one election, we it was the first time that the Alberta that that Albertans had changed governments. Essentially, the Liberal Party, which had governed Alberta since nineteen o five, was defeated. The United Farmers of Alberta, which was uh, agricultural based, so farmer based lobby group, was the first election that they'd ran candidates in. Um, first general election that they'd ran candidates in. Uh, was able to sweep into government. They they ran a few candidates in the urban areas, but it was uh, uh, largely a, a majority and almost entirely rural uh, rural government. So we had this kind of weird situation where the where the liberals actually got a higher percentage of the popular vote, about thirty four percent of the popular vote, but they only won fifteen seats. And the United Farmers of Alberta. Uh, got 28% of the vote, but won 38 seats in the legislature. So, and that had kind of had to do. I mean, that had to do significantly with the with the the voting system in the cities, where people could vote if you could vote for five candidates in the cities. But but it just shows that, that there was an enormous um, enormous split between the urban areas and the rural areas. And at that point in time, the rural areas were uh, were vastly over vastly more represented in the Alberta legislature than than the urban areas. So there was there was some very significant um, political change that happened after following the uh, uh, the the pandemic in in 1918, and then the 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 the, af the after effects of that pandemic when it came back and a number of uh, a number of years later, a number of months later. It probably depends on how long we feel the effects, right? Because we just like the the UCP has been in power for just over a year. Mm -hmm. So there's still quite a bit of time before the next provincial election. Like, I, I have no doubt there's going to be labor unrest and, and you know, as, as the UCP continues with its agenda. But, you know, does that impact their fortunes at the ballot box in three years? Kind of impossible to say at this point. Yeah, it's way, way, way too soon to tell. And we had a bit of a discussion about this on the last episode with Zane when Zane Velji was on uh, talking about you know what what the conditions might be like for the next election if the, if the NDP wanted to form government again but so much of this is is very speculative um uh, i mean it's fun to talk about but but you know as we all know a week a week in in politics is an eternity and and we don't even know what alberta politics is going to look like a year from now uh, you know yeah yeah absolutely all right our next question is from <laughs> uncaffeinated centrist it's <laughs> a great name. Uncaffeinated Centrist wants to know, what is the source of the money that Jason Kenney committed to the Keystone XL pipeline project? What are the terms of the arrangement? And why haven't we been provided with the details? What do you know about Keystone, Dave? Well, from what from what I understand, so on March 31st, uh, Premier Jason Kenney announced that the government would borrow money to debt finance the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline. So what this means is the Alberta government made a equity investment of $1.5 billion in 2020, and the government pledged to provide a backstop for the pipeline uh, through a $6 billion loan guarantee in 2021. So that's a that's a huge uh, it's a huge investment. It's a huge amount of money that they're putting towards this and 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 putting up as an equity investment uh, for this pipeline, or pardon me, putting up as a loan guarantee for the for this pipeline. There was um, uh, uh, some comments, I think, by Energy Minister Sonia Savage following this announcement that that they expected to uh, receive twenty or thirty billion dollars in economic return over the next twenty years following the construction of the pipeline, but. But there were no real details provided after that about like, well, what did what would the price of oil need to be for 
or the international price of oil need to be for you to, to receive those returns. Uh, as far as I know, that, that information was never released. Uh, the details of the agreement were something that the opposition NDP, I know, pushed for pretty, pretty heavily. Uh, but they didn't receive the, the government basically didn't release the details of uh, and the on the conditions of of this. So it's it's a massive investment, a government investment in a private project, um, uh, a controversial project. Uh, you know, it's from what I understand, it may have been in the works for some time. There may have been this discussion may have been happening for some time. But um, at the time of the of the announcement, it definitely I mean it didn't look like a great investment. I know the price of oil is but has jumped back up a little bit. Uh, but you know, that was around right around the time or right before we started seeing, uh, you know, minus, uh, you know, $15 barrel of oil in this province, uh, in terms of, of what, uh, Western Canadian select was being, um, uh, was being sold for. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it seemed like a bit of a, uh, a bit of hypocrisy from a government that had criticized the federal government for essentially buying the trans mountain pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this seems to be we're we're in this era where the Alberta government invests in you know puts its stake in and invests in massive uh, massive amounts massive amounts of money in in uh, in private pipeline projects. It will be very interesting to see whether uh, whether the the government actually does get its returns on this on this investment because it is a significant thing. Yeah, maybe it could even become an election issue in three years. Who knows? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, who knows what the price of what's that's the other thing is, is, you know, we talk about the about the pandemic and, and the COVID-19 situation, but the price of oil and the economic situation is, is, uh, is something that, uh, that will have a will also have a massive impact on 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 uh, on our government and on, on the, the upcoming election in 2023 as well. Mm-hmm, definitely. I, say, I say upcoming election. It's a, it's, still, <laughs> it's still a while off, but it's, I don't know. Elections are always on my radar. I'm, I'm like, uh, keen for uh for parties to start nominating candidates already oh yeah that's yeah. like one of your favorite things is that, to track that stuff exactly so you know the earlier the better <laughs> dave needs something to do everybody so yeah, start yeah. nominating those candidates yeah exactly <laughs> all right well our, our next question is a couple of them here about uh the relationship between the fed or the provincial government sorry and any issue in healthcare. <laughs> uh kevin mcleod says i'd love your thoughts on how the alberta government walked back uh, most of their policies in regard to rural physicians. Is this enough to somewhat stabilize the UCP's relationship with doctors or has the damage been done? Could this affect the UCP's electability in rural areas? What do you I think, think? Well, I think the damage has been done. And, and as much as the, the Alberta government appears to have walked back some of the, some of the policies they, they, were, they were pushing through, it does, I mean, I still read stories almost every day about physicians, whether they're in Black Labish, or whether they're in Rocky Mountain House, uh, announcing that they're going to be withdrawing their, resigning their privileges and withdrawing their services from the, from the, uh, from the hospitals because it's economically it doesn't make any sense or financially doesn't make any sense uh, for them to, for them to stay. Uh, so I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I think the government has probably backed down on, on, on quite a bit, but I don't think that's that's really enough. And I don't think that the I haven't seen any indication that there's any trust or there's any been any real effort by the government to rebuild trust with physicians. I mean, this past week, we saw the the um, press secretary for the Minister of Health attack the Alberta Medical Association, uh, calling it a partisan, uh, partisan organization. And, you know, it, you know, that as long as they're continuing with this kind of language, it doesn't seem like there's any good faith between the government and 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 physicians whether it will lead to impact the ucp's electability in rural areas that is a really good question um the ucp had such a massive 
majority of the got such a massive majority of the vote in in rural Alberta uh, in the last election that it's sometimes I mean it would be hard to see I, the question is who else who else would 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 rural Albertans vote for if they're not I mean unless they're going to vote for the NDP or I guess the Alberta Party if it's still around um, it, you know their their options are you know limited as so as long as the opposition parties have no you know real meaningful organization or, or aren't able to uh, nominate good candidate, you know, good quality candidates in in many areas of rural of, of rural Alberta. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if some kind of like we have a fairly social conservative government here, but there still seem to be like wild rose ish rumblings. So who knows in three years what like will there be a party that that the far right is really into more than the United Conservative Party? I don't know. Yeah, and, and and the other question is is whether what you know because right now we haven't seen much reaction from rural UCP MLAs on this. I mean, we've seen them line up. Uh, you know, to, uh, Health Minister Tyler Shandro had four or five rural MLAs line up with them uh, when they were making an announcement to kind of roll back some of these these changes that the government was making rural physicians, and they showed up at the press conference. But it doesn't seem like they're really uh, really advocating for 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 their constituents on the ground, at least publicly. Um, we've seen a little bit. I mean, uh, Drew Barnes, who's the MLA for Cypress Medicine Hat, seems to have uh, broken a little bit with the government on, on the decision to uh, uh, move stars from Southern Alberta to Calgary. Um, that's interesting. I mean, Drew Barnes is kind of his own, you know, is his own political beast, not necessarily reflective of the rest of the UCP caucus, but but so far the, the UCP caucus has been quite, uh, quite silent on this issue which i think mm -hmm. is, is quite interesting at the same time as uh municipal leaders and i, and I uh, have been quite vocal on this issue and I, a few months ago i was in a ctv studio doing a political panel here in edmonton and um the the panelists right before me uh were the three mayors of the count, county of bonneville town of bonneville and the uh, County of Lac-La-Biche, I believe is what it was. And they were on uh, talking about uh, about their fears that doctors were going to leave their communities because of these because of the changes that the government was implementing. And it didn't sound like they had much faith in their rural UCP MLA, even though their area had voted overwhelmingly for the UCP in the previous election. So whether, I mean, we're far enough away from the election, maybe, maybe the UCP caucus thinks they can, you know, mend things between now and then, or maybe they think it's just, uh, you know, they don't have to worry because it's rural Alberta and they'll vote UCP. And, you know, maybe they, maybe they're onto something with that. Yeah. That's certainly historically what it, what appears to be the case. Our next question is from Eric emoji, uh, as evidenced by the cuts to rural healthcare and the diversification is a luxury comments from this UCP government. Is there anything the opposition parties and people opposed to this government who aren't represented by the UCP can do or is hope over for the next three years? Dave, is hope over for the next three years? No, hope is never over. I'm always hopeful. Uh, no, I think anybody who's concerned about the direction of the government and the direction of the direction things are going should get on the phone and talk to their MLA. Uh, email your MLA, phone your MLA, write write them letters. Um, I'm I'm not sure if MLA's offices are open, but you know if you're able to show up to your MLA's office and and keep your social distance. But but make sure that you're heard. I mean I think that that's that's really important. Is um, I mean a lot of MLAs in their first term in government they may you know they may 
uh, feel secure. They may not feel comfortable speaking out against their uh, out against the government publicly, out against their leadership publicly. And I mean, that's not that's not anything new with this government. I mean, you could say it's some very similar things to the previous NDP government and and many of the previous progressive conservative governments we've had in this province. But honestly, get get out and lobby your MLA. Um, write them an email. Give them a phone call. Uh, uh, hound them. Make sure you know. Don't take no for an answer, and don't take no uh, no response for an answer. Um, you know, they they need to hear what their constituents are, how their constituents feel. I mean, if you are a if you are a uh, can, uh, an Edmontonian, for um, for example, you're probably represented by an NDP MLA. There's only one constituency in Edmonton where that uh, that is represented by the UCP. So, you know, if you feel so inclined that, uh, you know, I mean, obviously send your uh, opposition NDP uh, MLA, uh, send them inform, send them a letter, call them, make sure that they know how you feel as well, because it also helps the helps the opposition. Uh, and then, you know, if you if you do feel hopeless and you want to change in government, get involved with a political party. Or get involved with an action group, or get involved in a community group. Um, you know, I mean, uh, political parties are always looking for volunteers to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's true, and they. It's not just that they want your money; it's that they want your ideas, your support, your assistance, your volunteer hours, like all that stuff. So, if you believe in, if you believe in something, and if you want to have hope, like it's democracy is not a passive thing. Yeah, and you know we we finally have you know the, over the past two elections it seems we finally have a competitive electoral system in this province. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood, yeah. it's uh, you know we we you know that, that that it continues. But but if you're not happy with the government, get involved and uh, and and support a candidate or support uh, you know join a join a group. If climate change is your issue, join a climate change uh, action group. Um, you know, Climate Justice Edmonton or Greenpeace, or if you you know join your community league or join a. Uh, you know, join a political party. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks for that question, uh, Eric Emoji. Um, we've got a few more, Dave. Uh, this one is from Chris. Uh, he's saying, I'm hearing rumors of MLAs, UCP MLAs, becoming increasingly difficult to contact and distancing themselves from constituents. Why are MLAs so afraid to speak out against Jason Kenney? Uh, what is he doing that keeps everyone completely in line with his agenda? They they have a hell of a party whip, apparently. Yeah, I mean, party discipline is a heck of a heck of a drug, um, and it's not something. As I said before, it's not something that's unique to the UCP. I've heard a lot of people uh, over the past number of months say that they've had a really hard time getting hold of their UCP MLA, and and some of them talk about specific MLAs. I'm sure some are more open than others, and and some are are more comfortable than others. But I think that that. Uh, you know the the way our party system works is that the leadership of the parties, and this is regardless of the seems to be regardless of the political party, is that the leadership's leadership of the party and the party uh, has enormous control over the MLA's fate, and that that's that's in terms of whether they get uh, you know whether they get assignments on committees, whether they get renominated as a party candidate, whether they get extra funding from the party. Um, the, the, that's, that's, in, that's just the, the way we've, the, the system that we found ourselves in right now, which I think is, is, uh, has some enormous weaknesses. And, and this is an example of, of, of one of the weaknesses. Now, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not hearing from your MLA, uh, get out, get out and hound them. I mean, many of the MLAs, you know, we, this is the first year in government. So many of them and are, you know, they're new to this job. They are, 
they're still trying to figure it out and mm. they're look they're looking at their political career over the next three years and they're trying to think well is it worth probably is it worth it for me to speak out against against the party leadership and for a lot of them they look at that calculation and they say well no it's probably not not great not great for my political future to speak out against the party leadership the other thing is especially with UCP MLAs um, they you know they're 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 coming they're obviously I think they're out of their honeymoon by now but they're probably just just getting used to uh, dealing with heavy criticism right now and uh, and some of it is probably fairly aggressive so I expect some of them uh, the the reaction of some of them is probably to to hide and I, yeah. and again and again I don't think that's unique to this government that's something that that uh, that that spans parties but but I mean that could definitely be some something that uh, that's going on but yeah get out and hound your MLA call them phone them write letters uh that's what they're there for yeah exactly it's it's interesting these the last few questions about about um what people can do and and what how how do they get their mlas to to listen to them because i see a lot of speculation on places like reddit that rural mlas are unhappy with some of the ucp's policy but they don't dare mm -hmm. speak out so if if that speculation is true you as a constituent can help to bolster some of their discomfort with some of these policies and actually speak out against it by lending them your voice. Mm -hmm. That's the way the system works. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that question, Chris. Uh, this next one is from Nate. Nate asks, is, <laughs> sorry, I love this question. Is the Alberta party dead before it ever had a chance to live? What do you think, Dave? The, the Alberta party will never die. Uh, you don't think so? No, well, it's, it's been around. The Alberta party has been around for uh, since the early '80s, it's in some form or other. I think it started as a well. I know, I know it. It started originally as as a separatist party, and then it's kind of uh, it has this great name that uh, that various different groups have have taken it taken over. It was a separatist group for a number number of years, then it was kind of a right wing social um, right right wing social conservative group, and then it was taken over by the former Green Party people, and then the uh, the Renew Alberta people came in, and and then uh, and then Stephen Mandel became leader, and now. Steve Mandel's not the leader, so it's it's this uh, it's this kind of amorphous uh, blob that has a great name that's never really been able to catch on. Though the last provincial election, the Alberta Party won nine percent of the popular vote. They lost all their seats, but they increased their their vote by they they tripled their vote, and that's just a you know a result of our first past the post system. Is this, it doesn't really matter how many votes you get, but uh, you have to you have to get a majority or a plurality of the votes in in one riding, which which they weren't able to get. So mm -hmm. right now, right now, the Alberta party has an interim leader, Jackie Fenske, who's a former progressive conservative MLA. Uh, and from what I understand, they were supposed to hold a convention or an annual meeting this spring to make some decisions about a leadership race to to choose a uh, permanent leader. Uh, obviously, with everything that happened with the pandemic that got delayed. Uh, so I'm actually not even quite sure what what their uh, what their situation is now. Um, they have an interim leader. They have a shadow cabinet of former candidates who um, are supposed to represent the party on various issues. But uh, being outside the legislature and not having a permanent leader is uh, is a tough position for any political party to be in because you can't get the you can't get the attention that uh, that you would otherwise. I mean, I think the Alberta Party did very well for a number of years with Greg Clark as its leader in and as its MLA in the legislature. It seemed to they punched above their weight. I didn't necessarily agree with everything they stood for, but but they uh, I mean, Greg punched above his weight. He was he was able to run circles around the UCP uh, opposition in a number of cases. 
Uh, but you know, losing his seat and and being dumped as party leader in favor of Stephen Mandel definitely uh, didn't uh, didn't do any the Alberta party any favors in the short term. So we'll see. I mean, I, I whether they can come back and you know be a uh, a credible third party in the in the next provincial election is yet to be seen. But I mean, I know I can tell you I hear a lot more about David Kahn and the Liberal Party hmm. because David Kahn is active on social media. Um, yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna come back into the legislature but but i hear a lot more from the liberals right now than i do from the uh, from the alberta party yeah that's true well, which is good for the alberta party absolutely not but maybe you talk about a viable third party this next question makes me think maybe the alberta party doesn't matter because ziv is asking us is it true that the wexit party and the freedom conservative party <laughs> are merging operationally what have you heard dave it, it it would appear so so last month they announced that uh the uh, this is you know tales from the the, the fringe separatist uh, movement in Alberta, uh, the Wexit, which is not actually an officially a political party yet, uh, it's just a group. Uh, they announced that they were holding going to hold a vote of their membership to vote with the Freedom Conservative Party, um, and then I guess they'll become the Wexit Party. Um, now the Freedom Conservative Party, if if you remember, is a party that was it's actually been around for quite a long time. Uh, it was originally in the nineties, it was formed as the Alberta first party and then it became the separation party. And then it, they changed the name back to the Alberta first party. And then they became the Western freedom party. And then when Derek Fildebrandt was kicked out of the UCP caucus, uh, he became leader of the freedom conservative party and they renamed it the freedom conservative party. So it's always been this kind of fringe separatist group. Uh, and then they ran about I think they ran about 30 or 40 candidates in the last provincial election and got about, I don't know, 1% of the vote. So they didn't do very well. So from what I understand is happening is, or what I what I can see happening is the Wexit group want to join with the Freedom Party. And then I assume they'll just change the name and it'll be the next version of this political party that's the next name of this political party that's existed on the books for the past uh, past 20 years. And I don't know. I mean, I don't really feel there's much appetite right now for for a separatist party. I think there was kind of a, a wave of frustration after the federal election in 2019 uh, when the liberals were reelected in Ottawa, but I don't necessarily, I, I think that's subsided. I think people are looking at the, the current situation and the current, the current e economic situation and, and thinking, you know, how would, how would Alberta have survived with, uh, without the, uh, the support from the federal government at this point? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting. Um, this next question is going to ask us to really project into the future, but uh, Nikkei, I think, if I'm saying that name correctly, asks, "Does the UCP hold all its seats in Calgary in the next election?" <laughs> Stuff to say, but what do you what do you think, Dave? Based on what you're seeing today, I, I'm willing to say yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, right when you look at the, I mean, the the NDP. The funny thing about the last, the past two elections in Calgary is that. The NDP in 2015 got about 34% of the vote in Calgary, it's not 34, 35% of the vote in Calgary. And they elected about a dozen or more, about 15 MLAs in Calgary. And then in the 2019 election, the NDP got about 34, 35% of the vote and elected three MLAs in Calgary. So the NDP actually did pretty well in Calgary in terms of holding their vote. Um, I mean, the issue is, is that there's now one main conservative party. So as long as the the you know the UCP is able to hold that massive block, um, 
it's it's going to be very difficult for the uh, for the NDP to to make huge gains in Calgary. I can definitely see the the NDP winning uh, winning back some seats in Calgary. I'm thinking Calgary Varsity, Calgary Curry, Calgary Falcon Ridge. Like there's maybe a handful of seats that they could be definitely be competitive in. Uh, but you know it's very difficult to see. It's such a conservative city. Um, I mean, I, I guess it depends on uh, you know there's a, there's a lot of factors. Whether you know how deep are the cuts going to be after this, uh, after the, uh, after the pandemic or after, after the, the pandemic goes through, uh, is the UCP still going to be pursuing kind of a reckless austerity agenda? Um, and is that, how is that going to impact, uh, impact Calgary and, and, uh, and urban areas? I mean, Calgary, Calgary is where the NDP needs to win if they, if they want to form government again, but, uh, it's, uh, it's difficult to see the, the, uh, the UCP making taking major losses in Calgary, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe this is a we are in a permanent competitive political environment. Knock on wood. Hopefully, that'd be amazing for Alberta. It's and rare. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, thanks for that question. Uh, our last question today comes for from uh, getting shift done. May ask aside from an election, how else can we hold the government accountable for its actions and responsive to its constituents? I, th I think I've, I've, I mean, I've already answered this kind of, kind of answered this question already. I mean, I think, you know, contact your MLA, hound them, uh, and then get involved with the political party or group, get involved in a political party or group, be vocal about it, start your own group if you want. Um, but, uh, but, you know, contact your MLA, don't let them off the hook, uh, and get involved in politics, um, whether that's, you know, uh, yeah, like starting your own group, right? You know, joining a current group that's involved, um, getting involved with the political party, supporting a candidate in an election, um, you know, write a letter to your newspaper, that kind of, I mean, that's kind of a dated thing, but, uh, you know, comment on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, but I mean, don't, don't, you know, don't definitely, definitely don't lose hope. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of ways to get involved in politics. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great question, because I think a lot of people are, a lot of people are frustrated about the current situation, frustrated about some of the decisions that this government has made uh, and are feeling quite hopeless because, uh, you know, the, the government does have a majority. And I mean, you know, the UCP did win a majority uh, in, the, in the provincial election. So they have, they, the government's not going to change for another three years at least. Mm -hmm. You know, another way that, uh, that people can work with, work to hold the government accountable is to, to connect with groups like, you know, depending on what issues you're interested in, like climate justice, Edmonton, or, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day when, when we were having yet again, this conversation about healthcare, you could connect with the raging grannies. And, you know, there yeah, are like, a lot of outside of like political parties, there are ways to get involved. Mm -hmm. No, I was gonna say groups like friends of Medicare, for example, if you're, if you're interested in, in, in healthcare issues. And I know like a lot of these groups have regional, you know, regional chapters and regional, regional clubs that you can join as well. If you're interested in in something that's uh, that's in your neck of the woods rather than on a provincial level too. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it for the questions we had in our mailbag. Uh, thanks everybody. Those are great questions. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. We love answering questions and uh, and it's fun every now and then when we can have a, uh, a dedicated question and answer uh, uh, episode like this. So thanks to everybody and con please continue to send, uh, send your questions. So that's it for this episode. Thanks again to our producer, Adam Rosenhart, for making this podcast sound so good. Thanks, Glad Adam. I'm. Glad I could help. And thanks to the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, for supporting the show. Send us your feedback or ask us any questions you have for our next episode. You can get us on Twitter and Instagram at, at DaveBerta or on the DaveBerta Facebook page. 
or you can email us at podcast at daveberta.ca. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, stay home if you can, and especially if you are sick, stay safe, and thanks for listening.